The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Michael Wish sits down with NPS scheduler Jennifer Barnhill. All right. Well, welcome, Jennifer, to the China Room podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah. So before we get into the ins and outs and all the fun of scheduling, if you could just tell me, <laughs> we've already read your bio, obviously, but maybe tell me something a little bit about yourself and oh, goodness. how you got here. <laughs> well, um, you know, I I think, as you'll probably mention, I am a military spouse. I, my husband's uh, orders brought us here. Um, he is a student at NPS, and I joined um, the scheduling office recently. I have three kids. We live here. We're going to live here for a couple more years. Um, my professional background is actually journalism um, and marketing, uh, PR, and so somehow <laughs> I found my way into scheduling. Does that make sense? We, um, as military spouses, we juggle a lot. So I think that they, those things go hand in hand because there's a lot of juggling involved in the scheduling office. I think a lot of students understand that, yeah. right? Especially <laughs> military spouses and having to move around and find different occupations. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I've had worn a lot of different hats, and I think that that's just part of life. And I'm thrilled to be at MPS. It's a beautiful location. It is. Um, tons of people coming in and out and getting to meet new people. It was awesome. Yeah, well, very good. We're uh, So we have lots of questions. Uh, students always have lots of questions about schedules. Uh, we're not going to talk about the easy ones. If you want to go ask the frequently asked <laughs> questions, there happens to be a frequently asked questions page yes. on the scheduling website. So yes. if you're looking for the softballs, please go there and you can, you can read about that. <laughs> okay, there. I'm ready then. You're, you're going to bring it then. Here's some, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to bring it. I don't know if I'm going to bring it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's just start with uh, uh, kind of a general overview. What are the biggest challenges and what are the most unique challenges here at NPS when it comes to scheduling? Because my understanding is that it is different than some yes. other universities. So if you, you know, rewind very far back to when you were an undergrad, potentially. Um, you that was a long time ago for most of us. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to give dates for how long ago that was for me, but it was a while ago. Um, for many of us, it's been a while. So if you remember um, waking up at maybe 8 a.m. to try to, like, select the class at the preferred time that you wanted, right? That's with how the you, professor Yeah, with the professor wanted, that you right. wanted. Make sure you got the right elective. Um, you know, hopefully get your, like, only come to class two days a week kind of thing. Well, that is how undergrad works. That is how a lot of even graduate schools work, but that is not how MPS works. Um, as we all know, our students are tied here with their orders. So the way that our scheduling system worked is we, our goal is to make sure that every student that comes to MPS graduates on time. So what does that mean? It means we don't have, there's this idea of demand and supply-based scheduling. And we schedule so that every student gets every request on their matrix. And so in order to do that, we have a lot of deconfliction. So that's why we see classes at 8 a.m. or at 5 o'clock. Um, we try to minimize those, but essentially, you know, all preferences um, are secondary. As we know, as our OR students know, constraints are never good. <laughs> um, we want to optimize the schedule. And to do that, we have to really, and while working on 100% on-time graduation, we have to kind of make it work. It's a big puzzle. Um, and we have an awesome software that helps us do that. But we uh, really focus on getting everyone in and out with every class that they need to graduate on time. Okay. So with the constraints 
obviously, you know, this is kind of a big linear algebra problem or a big <laughs> network science problem. Yes. And, right? and I'm, I'm assuming the students will know how to solve some of these things way better. Thankfully, we have the software. But Maybe some of them yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. But it, when, so when you, you, you get the initial kind of requests and, and Python gets locked, and then you say run it through this software, I assume that the first step is it immediately alerts you to how many conflicts? Yes. And if Hundreds we, or? I mean, there, well, first of all, we, we put in a system, but we also do have, we have restraints. So we, we're not allowed to schedule students during the lunch hour. So there's things that we, we don't do as a scheduling office. There are instructions, um, NPS or military instructions that prevent us from doing, um, not prevent us, but they have guidelines. You know, we don't want students to be burnt out. So we want to make sure that we give them um, breaks. <laughs> oh, you know, you'd like breaks you know, to eat right. and things like that or coffee. Um, and so there's things like that we have to build into the schedule. We also have faculty who often, um, some of them are located farther away and we have to account for those travel preferences. Um, we also try to keep everybody in this, I mean, this is pre-COVID. So sometimes COVID is very different and it's made scheduling yeah, very we'll, strange. So we're talking like- we got some questions there yeah, too, but yeah. yeah, we'll hold off on that So this is all stuff, Let's. I'm, I'm thinking pre-COVID when, when I'm talking about some of these constraints, because clearly COVID has brought in tons of other constraints. Um, but we, we have a lot of factors, human factors generally, that um, we have to build into the system that limits when we can have things. We also have different departments offering classes at different time blocks. So we have in the GSDM um, department, they have two two-hour classes offered Mondays, Wednesdays, or Tuesdays, Thursdays. We also have departments like the OR department where they have one hour a week, uh, one hour, excuse me, a day for four days a week to account for the same amount of time. When you then put those different constraints into the system, it is difficult if a student decides to take an elective in another department. And then you're kind of mixing all of these factors together, making it very hard to accommodate everyone at optimal hours, which would probably be, let's say, 10 o'clock or 1 o'clock, and then everyone gets to go home early, right. minimize commute, all of those things. Um, we, we do actually have a heavy hand in customizing the schedule to account for those things. So when we finish the schedule and the system puts things together and then we review it one by one to make sure that all the requests have been entered properly, that there were no errors, we also look at those five o'clock classes. We look at those eight o'clock classes and see if we can shift things, um, like force the system to break protocol, so to speak. And and maybe you see a class that is one hour here, one hour there, and it doesn't follow a direct pattern. It's because we're trying to minimize those undesirable hours. So that's kind of a basic overview of what happens um, when Python is is locked and you can't see what's going on with their schedule, we're basically working through those those requests. Um, also, we're different because we are a military university. We have a lot of changes we, when it comes to student population, people coming in, departments making changes after the schedule has been locked. And so things are happening behind the scenes that maybe the students don't know, um, which impacts the way that we do the schedule. Yeah, I think so. Maybe that partially answers kind of the big question that most students have, which is why don't I get my schedule before a week or two before the quarter starts? Which makes yes. obviously planning on our side very difficult for childcare and appointments and so on and so forth. It it definitely is hard, and we have so 
all the dates that we have in our system, we have scheduled um, release dates for the schedule. I mean, obviously, those are based on in military instruction, but uh, they're established dates ahead of time. Um, what I would say to that is we have prior to COVID, we started releasing the schedule earlier, which okay. if you haven't been here very long, um, you know, and many students may not have been, um, we would release it, I would say a couple days early. We're working to get it even further, you know, earlier than we have been in the past. And that's the goal of our office um, to get it out there. The issue with that is that once the schedule is released and Python is unlocked, um, the schedule changes are kind of blind. So the departments might switch a segment, but that really relies upon those departments to deconflict instead of, because they don't have our system that deconflicts the student schedules. So right. if, um, if the department wants to make a change, you know, often they'll, they'll ask us, will this work? But we, we can't always see because, you know, if you're over here doing something at your department, someone else is over here doing something at their department, those changes are not managed by our office anymore. And therefore, there are a lot of conflicts that happen after. Um, but uh, amazing, you know, ed techs and program officers are trained to prevent those things from happening. It's just, you know, human error can always happen once it's outside of a one centralized system. So you're saying once Python is unlocked and the schedule is released, then there are some departments that still make changes even after that happens. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. And okay. it happens a lot. So if a student wants to change a segment, if they see, you know, just like you're saying, you know, we're all humans. I have kids. Everyone, you have things to plan for. You, you see a class that's offered maybe at a different time, but that is more appealing to you because you know you want to drop this other class, now you can take it. Well, we didn't know you wanted to drop that class. So you can make those changes after the schedule is released, um, assuming that it's okay with your program officer and your ed tech and, and your department. Um, and and that, that is where all of those changes are managed. We don't manage individual changes after the schedule is released. Um, if there's an individual change that you know, you want to make sure your department knows to tell us about while Python is locked, you know, obviously reach out to your department. And they, they do have and often reach out to us making changes. So it is a ongoing conversation. The schedule, um, <laughs> my um, my boss, Adrian Jera, who he likes to say every schedule is a compromise. Um, it's also a puzzle. <laughs> yeah. It's a puzzle. And we often are playing with the puzzle flipped upside down and the pictures are not showing, so we don't always have the full picture. Um, so it's our job to kind of get that picture together. So, uh, well, I guess I have two questions. Yeah. We'll get to COVID in a second. That'll be yeah. my second. The first <laughs> is, what would happen if you were, say, forced to release the schedule two or three weeks earlier than it is currently now? Like, what would be the effects of that? Um, I mean, as far as our office, we would probably need to shift deadlines for the departments because a lot of times they're working on their budgets and not sure how many courses they can offer. They have to secure the instructors. So it would just push some other deadlines a little bit, you know, adjust those deadlines a little bit. Um, we obviously would work really hard to get it done on time um, if that was, you know, the requirement. Absolutely. Um, the other consequence would be, again, on the back end, um, we've noticed that there are a lot of changes. And, and that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Change isn't always bad. It, it could be wonderful and great. Um, but we just want to make sure that if there are changes, just as organization, um, how do you measure all that? That matters. Knowing data matters. So if we can't monitor that, and whether that's in our office or outside, how are we going to know um, if these processes are are best supported. So, 
you know, it is a conversation that is interesting. And again, my boss will get mad at me if I, if I overcommit to like say, yeah, that sounds like a great no, idea. Of course. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess but, I was just trying to get to like maybe kind of the key foundational issue for to try to answer that question for the students, right? It's like there's always a cost, mm -hmm. right? And so the earlier you move that back, in this case, it sounds like if I've, if I've heard you right, that the cost that actually occurs on the departments now, they have less time to figure out what courses they're going to teach, figure out the budget, commit professors to those courses. Yeah. And the, maybe a potential consequence would be, okay, the schedule comes out early, but now there's there's additional conflicts and yeah. it's going to be harder to work through on the back and, end. And that is true. I mean, I, I would defer to the departments as to how that might impact them and what their timelines are like right now, um, you know, as to those budgets and, and funding is very different. You know, I'm sure you've had people talk about how, you know, NPS ha receives funding for research and, and all right. that. So there's so many com com components and the schedule is kind of intertwined in some of those decisions. It has its fingers in a lot of places. So Yeah. One more question before mm -hmm. we move on to the COVID impacts is, um, would it help at all if the students have the ability when submitting their schedules to indicate if there were additional constraints? For example, uh, there's lots of students here that don't have children that may be you know, fine with a, a, a different schedule, expanded hours, the eight to nines and the three to five o'clock classes. Um, or there may be students that say, uh, I'm trying to do this cross department thing, you know, but I'm, I'm not that committed to that class, yeah. right? And so mm -hmm. if, you know, you can lower me on the priority level if that, if that cross uh, department class issue is really creating issues. I mean, would yeah. it be helpful to have some additional, you know, kind of highlight constraint options when submitting a schedule so that you could maybe it would help with that? software program for that. Yeah. And, and there is, there is that a little bit in, in one way. Um, so you have the option to do for your, um, matrix, it, it is required courses, electives. So there's general electives right. and curriculum for electives. Which you have to put in backup courses. I've noticed. If yes. You yes. Have, so and so often, and we increasingly, when we're looking at our, you know, information, uh, students or faculty or department, the departments are listing everything as a requirement. And, you know, and that makes it very difficult because if our if our way to triage, so to speak, these priorities for students, we look to that because, you know, we don't have the ability to put in, you know, a childcare risk, you know, constraint for every student or things that specifically. But if we know that your bottom line classes are these four classes, then we will prioritize those classes and our system will prioritize those classes. So um, making sure that when you put in your, your requests for courses, you know, if it's an elective, please list it as an elective because that way we won't then force you out to a five o'clock class just so you can get this one elective. And then right. you've also forced, not you, but the system has also forced other people, other people to five o'clock because you you have this elective listed as a priority. Um, this is just one example. And, and the same is true if you take a class outside of your department, you, you that one person becomes that, you know, outlier. And in order to schedule with all those constraints, it it puts those weird situations. So if you find that there's there's some curriculums that cross departments a lot and it's very difficult to have a wonderful, glorious, you know, eight o'clock to three o'clock schedule with those 
those curriculums. It's pretty So hard. it's my fault because I'm a dual math and physics uh, major. Yeah, I mean, taking it, classes. What was what was your phone number again? You know, do, who, who should they call if they <laughs> yeah. want to complain? No, I, it, it's no one's fault. It's just we sure. want everyone to get this the classes that they need um, while they're here, and in order to do that, it just it is harder. It makes it look messier right. in order to do that. So if if everything is clean, um, there are some departments that just no problems that they. They get the times that they like and all those things because they have, um, they don't exit their department very often. So Yeah. Well, it sounds like someone out there who's studying uh, network science may, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a problem here they could tackle and see if additional options or feedback provided by yeah. the students as to what their constraints are would yeah. help or hurt that, yeah. that situation. There's, um, there are ways to build that in, and it's definitely a conversation that our office would be interested in having. Very so, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next big piece then, which <laughs> okay. is how much more difficult are things now due to COVID? And maybe you can, uh, some of the feedback that I got from other students is that there seems to be more eight to nine and three to five classes since COVID has started. You know, is that true? And kind of how, how's everybody handling it? It is 100% true um, because we own, so you think about NPS, you look at the campus, it looks huge and so big. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, if that's okay. Can Send I ask it. you? Okay. Yeah. So how many classrooms do you think that the scheduling office manages? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Given all of the, you know, students, if we have, uh, on average, I'll give you, we on average per quarter have about 1,300 students. Yeah. I mean, most of my classes, I can't, it's difficult for me to ballpark because yeah. I'm not in every yeah. department. And I know some of the, the you know, the soft sciences, as I like to call them, have much bigger. How about a range? You can give me a range. Yeah, that's a good one. Let's, yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a nice round number of okay. 100. Okay. So we own, out of the over 600 spaces on campus, we own 115 rooms and only 66 of those are schedulable spaces. Oh, wow. Okay, so I, I nailed it. I was yeah, pretty close there. Uh, price is right. I went yeah, under. but you, then you did. You now got what, it. Now, what is the difference here then? Why are there on spaces you don't have access so, to so all so if if we have and the number that of, of court um of rooms in python is actually 666 which is a very weirdo number but um <laughs> yeah. we have yeah i know that, and we have there are only 66 schedulable spaces meaning that some labs are restricted and we right. cannot schedule regularly operating classes in those spaces so okay. we can put the labs in those spaces but that's one day a week right, so we have right. to accommodate um, all the of the other Friday classes. Lab. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yes. <laughs> and the reason the labs are on Fridays is because of those patterns. So if we have Monday, Wednesdays, and we have Tuesday, Thursdays, sure. we can't intersperse just a random lab in the middle of those. Otherwise, it breaks the patterns. Yeah, of course. Um, and of course, um, as many might know, once the schedule is released, if there are other options and students' schedules change, our office um, is happy to hear from faculty to make those adjustments after the schedule is open. So we can make, we can avoid the Friday classes if at all possible. Right. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. And and it is harder with COVID. Um, so because of the fact that the average um, classroom capacity is 26 people yeah. prior to any six-foot distancing requirements. And so Right now, we've been working with Tony Cologne um, mm -hmm. and the leadership on campus. Um, there's so many amazing people who have been working on this. It's not easy, and it hasn't, I mean, it's not been, to be honest, in our perspective, it, it's been hard, you know, um, but there has been a focus to make it work, and, and that is what we've been trying to do um, by communicating with faculty of what options they do have. Uh, we would love to do that with students, too, but it's just not manageable to be able to, you know, to do it that way. Um, but just to give the information. So our website has a lot of information 
of just, you know, the capacity. So if you're wondering what is the latest, because things keep changing, we're trying to at least have one place, in addition to the COVID site on, on the page, um, like at a glance, like what, what does this look like? Am I allowed to be in this space? Um, you know, if you're vaccinated and there's ventilation and all those things are true, then, you know, you can request spaces on campus. Um, so there's, there's a lot that's going on with COVID. Um, we're, we're happy that things are going in a good direction right now with having people on campus though. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I think that um, the increase there in the eight to nine and three to five blocks yeah. has put a lot of pressure on the families for childcare, right? And yes. I, I noticed it been, for example, last quarter, uh, yours truly had, I had an eight to nine and a three to five class yeah. uh, with the, with a working spouse. And that was, was very difficult um, to manage, but we did. Um, so yeah, so hopefully, I guess going forward, uh, the the constraints uh, COVID-wise will improve, and yes. maybe we'll see less of that. Yes, and that is the goal. The goal is to to optimize the schedule with the the idea in mind that we want to make you know life better. I mean, who we don't want people you know banging on the scheduling office door saying you know why do I have to come in here at five o'clock at night and I was in here at eight o'clock. We we don't we don't look at it from the individual student perspective, but we do look at it from the faculty perspective because if a faculty is splitting their day, then chances are the students are splitting their day too, and we want to exactly. avoid that and whenever possible. So um, it is it is important, and we do pay attention to those five o'clock classes and those those early classes. Um, and we, and I will give you the numbers on those because we actually do have a very low number compared of five o'clock classes. The, the eight o'clocks are a little bit harder. Um, yeah. but the five o'clocks, we try to really minimize as best we can. Yeah, for sure. But with COVID, we've just been trying to optimize spaces to make sure that everyone can have the opportunity to learn in person if they want. Yeah. Pre prior to this quarter. Okay. Well, great. Um, so those are, those are my hardest questions. Sorry if they weren't hard enough. Uh, well, I mean, I hope that I answered them. <laughs> definitely. And, okay. Well, so here's what Carol, this is my favorite question, which is what questions should I have asked that I Ooh. didn't? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What I don't did you know. prepare for? I know. I'm like looking at my notes here. That um, I don't ask. So if, no, I don't, I have nothing that we were, we covered it all. I, I think that the, the main thing right now is getting spaces. One thing we didn't talk about was if people want to request a space on campus. Okay. Um, our office also manages our, our classroom requests through our event scheduler, and it's a it's Now, why would online. a student be requesting spaces? Um, study rooms. Study groups. Yeah, so. or, or if they are not assigned a location by their department, um, if it's an area that they, um, if they have most classes right now or um, – not virtual, but they were. And so when people were going in between uh, in-person and a virtual class, oh, they, they needed a, a space to, yeah, to, yeah. to learn. And so um, our system would allow you to request that. It would also allow you, you know, to have study spaces. I know a lot of, at least my husband, who is a student here, um, our house is chaos, right? And so even getting in the library, the library has spaces too, of course. Yeah. But if you wanted to just, you know, take some time in between your classes and utilize an unused space, that system is available for both, you know, faculty, staff, and students. So. Well, great. Now, before I let you go, uh, <laughs> I understand that you are also a podcaster. So yeah. I wanted to give you a second to talk about what you do and, and your show and uh, yeah. give us a little bit of Sure. Um, well, thanks that. for that. I'm actually, because I'm a military spouse, um, I'm also, my background is in reporting. Um, you know, for those who are married, 
or who don't have any idea what a military spouse life is like, we move from place to place just with, you know, the service members and have to kind of reinvent ourselves every time we go somewhere. And this, this opportunity to work at MPS has been awesome because I've had some longevity within this job um, and I'll get to continue to stay for a little bit longer. But the thing, the thread that's gone through my life is being able to write and, and that kind of lent itself to other ways of communicating. And um, I often would write about military family topics. So um, that could be education or healthcare or, um, I don't know, family readiness in general. And so one of the areas that kept popping up was um, areas of stigma and people feeling like they weren't heard um, or they felt that they weren't able to access the care that they needed for some reason um, or they weren't supported. And so that idea that family members um, might be nervous about telling their problems within this community was really something I, you know, as a reporter wanted to address. And uh, so I work partnered with an organization called Partners in Promise, and we put on a, a podcast called um, Disruptive Storytelling with Military Changemakers. And the first season is dedicated to um, combating stigma within the, the military community. And so it's a little bit off topic of here, but, um, and my job at the scheduling office, but uh, it's been really great to hear people come forward and talk about their stories um, in hopes to change some of the problems, not to point fingers. So it's been really great. Well, that sounds awesome. And we'll definitely yeah. put a link uh, on the on the show notes uh, to your podcast and I'm going to start listening to it. Well, thanks. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe we can mutually support over here. Absolutely. Uh, podcast, so. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming today and answering all of our questions and helping the students get to know their scheduler a little yes. bit better and how things work behind the scenes. And if you have any complaints, you can call Adrian Jira, who is my boss. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. Thanks, no, <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. This episode was recorded September 30th, 2021. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroom.